how disappointed are you that you will not be a, a 49er? Not as disappointed as the 49ers will be that they didn't draft me. Welcome to the Gridiron Show. We now know the championship game lineups after an up and down, but eventually pretty brilliant divisional round weekend and a fantastic national championship game to talk about as well. We'll talk about Joe Burrow, we'll talk about the Ollie Hunter, Will Gavin Bowl, and plenty more besides. This is the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin, I've got Ollie Hunter in the studio with me. Hey, buddy, how are you doing? Yeah, great to see you, man. Great Lo- to see you in a studio nice. where we are both nice, opposite each nice other. Nice to and... see you in a uh, in an LSU Tigers t-shirt as well. Thought I'd rep it. I was wearing my Tigers hoodie last night, but it was, uh, you know, in probably in not the kind of state to wear into work, to be honest. Yeah, you can get probably... away with like putting a nice shirt over that and you're fine, so it's all good. The amount of food and drink that you spill on yourself as well. So. <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but that's absolutely what happened. Yeah. Uh, you heard Aaron Rodgers at the beginning there, and we will be talking about the fact that one of mine or Ollie's team are going to be going to the Super Bowl this year. We're not sure who it's going to be yet. We will know by Sunday night. And we're going to be doing the show together on Sunday night as well, which is some pretty exciting stuff. Isn't that amazing, by yeah. the way? That at the beginning of the season, where we didn't know what your team was going to be, we really didn't know what my team was going to do, and we're both in a championship final, and one of us has the chance to see our team at a Super Bowl for the first ever time. It, that's ridiculous. It, I, well, I was thinking about the other day, and we're, we're, like, we need to get into this in more depth, obviously, but I was thinking to myself, when we saw the Green Bay Packers against the Chicago Bears week one, I, I was thinking about the conversations we had in the locker room, and I was thinking about seeing the teams as well, and I really didn't think to myself, at any stage in that evening, we could be seeing a Super Bowl team here. Yeah. But we are now 60 minutes of football away from maybe seeing a Super Bowl team. Amazing. It's going to be a lot of fun this week. We'll have lots of fun with it, I'm sure. Uh, and what Ollie hasn't noticed or mentioned yet is while he's wearing an LSU t-shirt. Yeah, I know what you're wearing. It's uh, some Mexican George Kittle... It's my Cero Miedo Zero Fear George Kittle t-shirt which arrived in the post today and they sent me two of (laughs) for some reason so I have it in black and red. Oh, very good. Very nice. Uh, We've also got Matt Sherry with us hopefully because apparently the line keeps dropping. Are you there, Matt Sherry? I am, yeah. Yay. Hey, good. That was... it's, a, it's, a, it's only just dawned on me, really, since that conversation there. Because I'm thinking, like, oh, I, hope, I hope these teams get there so one of the guys gets to see them in the Super Bowl. But actually, like, we're now in a position where it's guaranteed that one of your teams is going to be there. That's only just dawned Isn't on that me. mental? It's crazy. I keep yeah. thinking about it. Like, that is mad. It's mad. I know one of us is going to have a really rough week of stress. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, trust me. I can speak to it. And, you know, I can speak to it. I've been seeing my team four times yeah, in whatever, the Super Bowl. Oh, it, it only took him how long to bring that up since we brought, <laughs> put up his mic? I think it was about 30 oh, listen, seconds. I, I'm excited to watch somebody else go through it. Go That's through the much. absolute <laughs> ringer. Thanks, mate. Appreciate yeah. it. Oh, oh what? You're uh, you're already saying. No, I was saying appreciate oh, to Sherry Gavin. about going through oh. the ring. Although Ollie did try and talk some smack to me when we <laughs> yeah, first came into the studio, and went, "You should be very afraid." And I was like, "What of?" <laughs> it was rubbish smack. <laughs> <as well. laughs> to confirm, Will, you should not be afraid. 
Get excited for it. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Graham's going to come and the, be the best tight end in football. No, no, I'm sorry. The, I, just, I, don't, I just don't believe what I'm saying. I mean, maybe he'll actually catch a first down instead of a fourth down this time, but uh, it's down. fine. You got... You got some rub, they got some rub, and let's be honest, the Seahawks what? are not a good enough that football team. You can clearly see that. So, have you seen the the, 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 first the first down marker cam? Yeah, it's not a first down. It is a first down. Yeah, but Ollie, that, that first down marker is on the wrong side of the field, so that's not the chain marker no, um, not on, that, on that image. It definitely wasn't a first down, definitely but by the same down. account. Uh, Green Bay definitely recovered the fumble on yeah, Seattle's yeah. first possession, so swings yeah. it around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, we'll get into all the games uh, from the from the past weekend and and start to look forward to next weekend. We've had some coaching hires that we need to talk about as well. I mean, how Cleveland kind of watched two of their head coaching hires go literally head to head on Saturday night and made the choice that they did make astounds me. And the fact that we're now going to have the Chiefs, the Ravens, the 49ers, and let's be given the due, the Titans as well, all keeping their uh, their core staff together this off-season is pretty incredible. Uh, but let's just quickly mention, because uh, I am a tired wreck that slept about eight or nine stops of my tube journey in because that's all the sleep I've basically had this morning, uh, about last night's national championship game. LSU are... Kind of, there is an argument to be made with the seven top ten teams that they've beaten this season, with the nature of the the performances and the way that they've got through to this point, the the dominance of the second half, and the dominance overall of this team, that this could be one of the best college football seasons we've ever seen. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's also the fact that they've snapped a thirty-game winning streak to win the to win the championship. I mean, Clemson themselves were on a astonishing run so to beat them and to, to beat them comprehensively I mean you know from being down um, in double digits for the first time all season in the first half they basically just rolled and um, yeah I mean for, for me they're definitely the greatest I mean I can't speak to the, the history of college football the 150 year history you know I know a decent amount about the history that's his next book for, from the point, it could well be. No, no. But, um, <laughs> you just heard a little ding in his head there. I did. I, I heard it all the way from Hartlepool. I did think I, to I, myself. I totally enjoy doing that one more than the NFL one, to be honest. I know you, awesome. um, I know you, uh, you did a little skip through of the, you, I know you came back to the game this morning and rewatched it. Did you happen to watch when they did the top 11 college players yeah. of all time at half time? Yeah. I now, thought that similar to the NFL lists, it, Ignored a couple of modern era players harshly. Yeah. Oh, Cam uh, Newton and Tim <laughs> Tebow being the two obvious examples. Exactly my point was going to be that I, there wasn't a player in there from the last three decades, maybe yeah, four. Mean, Cam <laughs> Newton. One for the kids, that, that section, wasn't it? <laughs> Jeez. Cam, Cam Newton is similar to Burrow in that it's one amazing season as opposed to anything else. But I mean, Tebow should definitely be in the mix. Tebow was incredible at Florida. Also, he won two national championships and and was just amazing. So yeah, a quick mention say. for the youngest of the group that were on that stage, that was of the living members that were on that stage, Herschel Walker, who is fifty-seven years old and legitimately looks younger than all of us. Right. <laughs> and, and that's fully clothed. If you see him without his top on, he looks like he's still playing running back in the NFL. It's like <laughs> it still ripped as anything. An incredible individual, but. But yeah, I think certainly in the time I've watched college football, LSU were the best team I've seen. And and the Clemson team from last year actually takes some beating. Um, but yeah, just a outstanding. And, and Joe Burrow, I think the big thing for him was that I think most people thought going into this game that 
yes, Burrow will be the first overall pick in a few months' time, but that in reality, everybody would say that Trevor Lawrence is a much better quarterback just because, you know, we've talked about Trevor Lawrence for two years, haven't met him in high school and everything else. And, and he has that reputation in the in the US, obviously. But actually, Joe Burrow was the best quarterback on the field against a guy who everybody thinks is, is the greatest talent to ever play the position in college. I mean, the difference in the touch of the passes and everything was, it was a, a great night for Joe Burrow. And the, and the, and the conclusion of a great story for both both him and Ed Orger on the, the head coach, two guys who have been written off at various junctures and have kind of come together to create not only a, a national championship winning team, but arguably the greatest college football team of all time. And look, for somebody who watches college football on and off during the season, especially now I work Saturday nights, to sit and watch that offence operating for a full 60 minutes against you know, the best defence in football uh, this year, I would say that... Yes, the the talent around him is is pretty incredible. You know, the, the fact that they can leave five offensive linemen and no extra blockers in against that pass rush was really impressive and, and everything else. But the idea that he is a scheme guy or a guy who is just working off the talent around him. He made some phenomenal tight window throws. He made all the right decisions seemingly with his legs Blitz recognition was excellent, play recognition was excellent, and the touch on his deep passes, the two to chase down the right-hand side, and there was another one um, on the on the right to a uh, to Moss, guy who was cutting inside. Was it, well, it was the one to Moss where he breaks right, breaks out of a tackle, throws across his body, Moss clings it in. Yeah, well, the irony, when Moss the comes back is, across the formation, yeah, yeah, that was a nice pass yeah. as well. So yeah, And the, his best player of the night was on the first play of LFU's yeah. first offensive play, and it was called back for a penalty. I mean, that's... That that ridiculous play is kind of everything that Joe Burrow's been all season. I would say he's got the best ball placement of any quarterback I've ever kind of studied in detail in college. He's right. got he's got it all. Got it all. Let's get into the games from this past weekend then, because uh, we'll uh, otherwise we'll be here for hours. But. Bengals fans get a little bit excited. That's what we're saying yeah. at the moment. Pray for Dalton. Uh, <laughs> quite. <laughs> Does anyone have a game or a place where they would like to start? the weekend or should we yeah I, I think we should start with the last game yeah okay the because uh, I want to get I want to get the the absolute anger that I've got off my chest and then enjoy the rest of the podcast here we go so here's what I'm going to do I'm going to talk about the game uh, and I'm going to give some thoughts I'm going to go to Ollie for his Green Bay thoughts and then we will come to you for your rant okay Matt for his anger yeah Let's just structure this thing. His, so, his Brian anger. The Green Bay Packers make it through to the NFC Championship game. They'll be heading to Santa Clara next weekend <laughs> with victory over the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks came back into into the second half, thanks in no small part. In fact, in, thanks entirely to the performance of Russell Wilson, seemingly. Uh, but it was just a step too far for them. Uh, an excellent Packers offensive performance in the first half, although entirely running seemingly through, uh, through the two players, Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. Uh, but second half broke down a little bit. Jadavian Clowney had a lot to say about the game. But Aaron Rodgers just made three or four sensational third down throws. The Geronimo Allison play design for that touchdown was brilliant. And the, the two to Devontae Adams that, that kind of killed the game off. Both absolutely superb into the bucket touch passes that showed that while Aaron Rodgers has probably had his worst personal season in recent memory, he does still have the ability to turn it on when the lights are on. For my money from a Seattle perspective before we get the kind of coaching etc. side of it from Sherry, this team wasn't a good enough team to have given us a competitive Super Bowl. They kept in games and that's great. And I do think that they were... 
a great underdog story. But the fact is winning 11 games as it was in the end by a single score across the season, having so many injuries as they did, plus the coaching problems that they ran into as ready. And you look at what's coming for them next year with Jadavian Clowney going to be incredibly expensive for them if they want to keep him around and a number of other pieces on defence desperately in need of an upgrade. It's a pretty tough, tough off-season, I think, coming for Seattle. Maybe it'll turn out that the injuries were just the reason, but let's ask Ollie's thoughts on Green Bay before we get to Matt's thoughts on Seattle. Well, I think they looked, at the very beginning, the first half, looked like a team that had had a, a week off and Seattle hadn't, and they and Seattle had had to to cross the country again to, to make it up to Lambeau. I thought the offence looked really nice. It looked... Um, uh, such a vanilla way of, of talking about it, but it, it it looked good. Aaron Jones looked excellent. Devontae Adams is looks fantastic, and it almost as was when it came to the second half. It was a classic Green Bay. We've run out of things that we can do on offense, apart from Aaron Rodgers making some ridiculous plays on third down, and uh, we've run out of, of a few ideas. And you step off the gas both on offense and defense, and that's exactly what happened. Plus, they couldn't cope with Russell Wilson deciding or, or being let loose. And I know Sherry, you're gonna you're gonna talk about this, but Wilson was just ridiculous on those two touchdown drives, which were both I think both seventy five yard touchdown drives, which unbelievable stuff the stuff he was doing if he could have thrown a pass and then caught it himself he would have done <laughs> because he was so so good and it just came down to a nice bit of play by Mike Pettin at the end where he decided to rest Zadarius Smith for one drive then Preston Smith for another and then when it came down to it he put both of them in and both of them were were not utterly gassed like the rest of the, the secondary was. And just very quickly on Rogers before we get to Sherry, what I did think was intriguing about this game and what does give me some pause for next weekend is that he showed both the ability to work within the structure of that offence in the first half, yeah. which sometimes they've had problems with. And I think if they're going to beat San Francisco next weekend, he essentially needs to get his old buddy Sean McVay on the phone and say, look, what did you do with the Rams when you went there and when you nearly beat them five or six weeks ago because that was the best game plan I've seen almost from any offence all season. But then he showed that he can also do his Aaron Rodgers things in the second half. Um, what we didn't get to see was a full game of Russell Wilson, Matt Sherry. No, I mean, I, I would like to pre- say I have been critical more than anyone of Aaron Rodgers. The, one of the throws in particular is maybe the best I've ever seen. The one dipped over the linebacker <laughs> between the safety. What, to Jimmy Graham? Just- no, was it, it, that was, one? it was Adams, I think. Wasn't it Wasn't it Adams on third and ten? Yeah, yeah. He, it, it was oh, just absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah. obscene. And and he was ultimately the difference in the game. I mean, it was only three throws. It's not like this was a 500-yard passing performance and he was incredible. But if, if, if Rodgers can just deliver those moments, then they're always going to, you think, have more of a chance than I've given them credit for. But, you know, I could have told you, the script of this game, and in fact, I watched it with Simon Clancy, after the first two Seattle possessions, like, you knew what was coming at that point. And what was coming was them getting in a massive hole that is entirely self-inflicted. And it was bad enough last season when they were fully healthy and they played the Cowboys and did exactly the same thing and they give themselves an insurmountable hole to get back out of. But this season... Like, people have seen excuses because of injuries. The injuries are the biggest indictment on the whole game plan. If you've got your top three running backs out and you want to be a running team 
and you've got the best quarterback in the NFL. And and I, I get frustrated because I've seen the Patriots do this, and this is why they win Super Bowls, is you decide that you are not going to run the ball, essentially. And there's nothing wrong with that. You need to have the game plan that is going to be best to win that game. And and to be honest, I thought it was an indictment of Green Bay that they let Seattle back into it, as good as the drives were. Because the other element is, if you have a defensive scheme that means you cannot double cover, and I mean properly double cover, not shade of safety over, I mean put a guy inside and a guy outside of Devontae Adams and you let him catch key third downs, then you might as well not, why bother? Why bother turning up? Everybody knows the ball is going to Devontae Adams in a, in the Aaron Rodgers best case scenario. So why isn't he double covered? Like and and ultimately on Wilson, I I think this is one of the greatest seasons from a quarterback I've ever seen, and that was one of the best playoff performances by a quarterback I've ever seen. And it all gets completely flushed down the toilet because of an absolutely ludicrous game plan. I mean, you've got Marshawn Lynch, who was retired three weeks ago, and you're just repeatedly running him into the line of scrimmage for no gain. What's the point? The Marshawn Lynch thing is, is amazing because... He ran He ran in four touchdowns over three games, but averaged something like 2.2 yards per carry outside of that. And you just There's think... There's huge value just, in Lynch for that just, job specifically. I mean, yeah, look at the teams... Have him as a goal games. line back. Have him just as a goal on, line back. Yeah. I've seen the Patriots, I've seen the Ravens lose games because they couldn't convert on short yardage. So there was a benefit to bringing Lynch back, but he wasn't going to come back and have 20 carries for 120 yards. It just was never, ever going to happen. And then... The frustration is watching Wilson operate. I mean, you mentioned, yeah, Patine had some good calls. The only reason that they're in the that they're in the game, and Seattle don't go ahead, is the terrible drop on second down. You know, that an awful drop by one of the very average weapons that he has mm. outside of Tyler Lockett. I mean, oh, it's DK a dreadful bot drop. DK Metcalf's had a lovely rookie season, but he was non-existent in this game for a reason. He can run routes. You know, he's great. He, he's really way ahead of where I thought he'd be as a rookie. He's had a really nice year, but the offensive weaponry isn't even that good. I mean, honestly, I have, I cannot think of a single quarterback, and, and I have seen some ridiculous feats from Brady and everybody else, but Brady always needed elements. He needed a good offensive line to do what he did. I can't think of a single quarterback I've ever seen who would have kept that Seattle team in that game, and I really can't, but... If you look at that Green Bay team, you know, the big threat is those two edge rushers. So surely, and this is me, I'm not a football coach, this is common sense. Surely you go into that game and say, right, we're going to put Russell Wilson in the shotgun and we're going to run no huddle the whole game and we're going to, we're going to wear down the defence and do exactly what happened in the second half. If, if Seattle had done that for the whole game, I think they'll win this game. Because Green Bay are an interesting team. They're not... They're not explosive on offense, you know. I don't think Green Bay can keep up, and I think we'll find that out this week. But but even against that bad Seahawks defense, I think if Seattle had that game plan the whole game, they'll win that game. And I think it would have been a better NFC title game because I just think that Wilson is so good right now. He is such a special player. Definitely, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the NFL. That he alone has proven he can keep Seattle in basically any game. And I've not seen that from Green Bay this season. But it's just frustrating. I mean, two years in a row, I'd hate to be a Seahawks fan because that is two years in a row where you look at a completely avoidable exit in the playoffs. So maybe they wouldn't have won the Super Bowl, but it'd be nice to see them progress based on the way they should in those two games. I, I think barring a pretty stonking draft over the next couple of seasons, I think we're going to see a Seattle team who for the next two or three years could be that team. Could be a team who are dragged to 10, 11 wins by their quarterback. I think the Rams 
are, are the biggest question mark in the division right now. But the the Seahawks could easily drag themselves to 10, 11 wins, a wild card berth, maybe even a division, and then go out in the playoffs because they just don't have enough around him when they're coming up against really good teams. Yeah. And that could oh. that could just be their story for the coming seasons. And it's every chance it's going to be really, really frustrating for them. Just, just on the Packers defense briefly, what I thought, Ollie said was was absolutely right about not dissimilar to what we're going to say about the 49ers the week off clearly helped them when it came to things like the defensive line rotation the pass rush but what was astonishing until the fourth quarter was that Russell Wilson had taken was it, I think it was six sacks for seven yards at one point Yeah, every single one of them could have been a ten yard loss and he did something to make sure yeah. it wasn't and you know and there he were got play- hit another ten times yeah, exactly <laughs> this is it and he got hit another ten times outside of that <laughs> I think mental. I think between the Smiths they had 22 quarterback pressures like that's ridiculous <laughs> numbers that's a ridiculous number over a four game stretch let alone over a one game stretch I'm telling you what Jimmy doesn't get away from that <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't yeah but he's got a much, much, much better offensive yeah, line. And, and, and George Kittle. With Wilson. <laughs> and Carl Juszczyk. That offensive line is, is, is the worst I've ever seen in a playoff game. And that includes the guys who were back. Because, I mean, Dwayne Brown should not have been on the field. I mean, he wasn't healthy. They clearly, you know, rushed, thought, the, they clearly rushed guys back. Yeah, abs- abs- absolutely. And, I mean, I, I think, if anything, it's strengthens The whole situation strengthens Wilson's case is... As the, as the best quarterback in the NFL. And also, the reason why I've said all along when we've discussed Lamar and Wilson in MVP, why if if you take it at the true definition of MVP, he would be the guy for me. Because there is just no way that any quarterback, be it Lamar Jackson or anybody else, would have done anything near what he has achieved with the Seahawks. Just a waste of one of the greatest seasons I've ever seen. You know how I hope there aren't more of those to come. You know how you hear, and I heard it a couple of times on the comms on Sunday night, where you hear first ballot Hall of Famer or Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers. You never really hear that about Russell Wilson, but it's a a shoo-in, isn't it? He's guaranteed. He's guaranteed first ballot. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's already got one ring. He should win more. I mean, could just add, it's whenever you like when you watch Mahomes. Imagine Russell Wilson with Andy Reid. I say this all the time, and he has to work with Brian Schottenheimer, who is and this doesn't this doesn't even without the Seattle element of his career. One of the worst offensive coordinators I've ever seen. The fact that he got that job in the first place is absolute insanity to me. I mean, you know, you, we're on about Joe Burrow. If you put Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator for LSU. In, in Seattle as OC, I could guarantee you that there would be a 10 times better football team. It's just an absolute joke. Right. As expected, we went long on this game. So let's uh, let's wrap it up just by finally saying that Jadevin Clowney has spoken out since Sunday on his imminent uh, free agency coming and has said that he's got one goal in mind, which is winning. All he wants to do is sign with a Super Bowl contender. Um, I think it's... Uh, I, I kind of hope that his off-season isn't defined by one bad hit on Carson Wentz because outside of that, in the last three games of the season, he was absolutely stupendous on a defence that had basically nothing else going for it up front. And even the likes of, you know, Wagner, etc., so dinged up from the season. And it's since come out that he was carrying an unknown injury through the last six or seven weeks. You know, it's just, it, it, I hope that people realise, I think it was 
We saw more out of him in Seattle this season in terms of production than we ever really got to see in Houston because, funnily enough, there's one man there that draws all the attention and I think he likes it that way. Do you know who we're thinking about? Should we talk about the other game on Sunday night? What a ridiculous game of football this was! The Kansas City Chiefs become the first team in playoff history to come back from a 20-plus point deficit to win by 20-plus points. They go down 24 to nothing at home to the Houston Texans, a scoreline which, by the way, if they go down to the Tennessee Titans next week, I think they're not going to necessarily have mu- as much opportunity to come back from. A, a slew of special teams' mistakes on both sides means they actually end up leading at the half and go on to win 51-31. We'll get on to the Chiefs. I don't think there's actually a huge amount to say outside of the fact that They went down early because of mistakes and then after that they were just the much, 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 much better football team for the next three quarters or so. Um, But but let's talk the Houston Texans. And I want to say something that maybe will be a little bit controversial. I have absolutely zero issue with Bill O'Brien going for the fake punt on fourth and four. I don't either in a vacuum. Uh, I have an issue with it when you don't go go for it on fourth and one. So I've just, I, I just yeah, I, for I, me it's just not joined up thinking. You know, you say after the game he says he has to, he has to they have to score points, they have to score touchdowns. So why did and and I can understand there were issues with it. You know, he he put the personnel in for because he thought it was first down, but they called a timeout and then he just changed his mind. The problem with O'Brien is he just is terrible at reading the game. This is just just to say what what I think could have been the thinking was that the decision to go for the punt was informed by the earlier decision because they went oh we should have been aggressive then now we need to be aggressive now I'm not saying that's good thinking but I'm saying I think that may be how it happened but I'm with you I'd much rather you go going into this game Bill O'Brien said we're probably going to need 50 points to beat the Kansas City Chiefs so what on did earth, say, did when you're 21... The game the game? No, apparently he said it before the game. Apparently he said oh, it in the build-up. If he said that in the build-up, and I'm going to double-check it now while someone else talks, then you know that when you're sat at 21 points up in the first quarter or approaching the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter, and, and you're fourth and inches right down near the goal line. Everyone Why was, wouldn't you go for it if that's your mindset going into the Everyone game? was saying then, it. You've got to, you've, you have to go for it there. I'd say to you before week 17, Shezza, when you and I did that uh, Rogue pos- podcast, I said hmm. that I don't trust Bill O'Brien and his decision-making. He's got a rick in him, and he made a couple of ricks here. No, but I thought he was a, I thought he was a draw throughout both playoff games. I mean, they got bailed out massively by Deshaun Watson against the Bills. Yeah. This is kind of who Bill O'Brien is. I mean, you know, a leopard doesn't change its spots. And that this is who he is. He's you can't criticize his overall record. I mean, I was looking into this after our chats about it, and you know, they've won I think they've won four division titles on the bounce. And a lot of those that predate Watson or certainly include a season where he tore his ACL in the middle of it. Um I had it I had it in mind it was four of the last six, but I'm just double checking yeah, it. Yeah, poss- possibly, yeah. Um because the, t- the Jags won one in there, didn't they? Four of the last five they've won, because there was the one that the Jags won in 2017. Did the Jags win it, or were, they, were, the, were, the, were the Jags a wild card that year? No, the Jags won it, and the Texans finished fourth in the division that season. They went four and oh, 12. Oh, right, fair enough, yeah. It yeah, was the yeah, injury so, season. Yeah, that was the injury season. So, so, yeah, but in the main, they've won... He's won a lot of division titles... 
But it just feels like whenever there's a big game, he makes ludicrous decisions. I mean, it's a little bit like Andy Reid on crack, you know. Like, Reid's always done some weird game management stuff. But O'Brien, it's just like... And 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 what annoys you is that the decisions don't... They, they just don't work in unison. Like, they're individual decisions that seemingly have no relationship with each other. And yet they should be bound together by the idea of the overall... Um, the overall game plan, and it's just weird. I mean, and 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 I wouldn't fire him. I really wouldn't. I would. I would stick with with what you're building, and you know, you've you've let him waste a load of draft capital to get Tunsil, which I saw Ian Rappaport rave as this amazing deal. Well, they're no further on than they have been in recent seasons. He was meant to be the the final piece. I think the bigger issue for Houston, truthfully, is you know the O'Brien stuff could overshadow this, is they're just not very talented on defence. I mean, outside of J.J. Watt, who's played this game with a torn peck, you know, where's the talent? I mean, Merciless is a decent player who always plays better when Watt's playing well, and if you look at when Watt hasn't been as good, Merciless's production falls off a cliff. They've just given him a new massive contract. You know, the secondary is outside of Justin Reid power. The thing is, um, the, the put, things that we said, the things that we said last oh, week, which was their secondary slow and aging, that they're not very good on the edge or at setting the edge, and that Kansas City's speed is going to mean they're going to be able to score quickly and score a lot, meant that actually the comeback should have surprised nobody. No, absolutely not. I mean, the only thing I would say on the Kansas City end is they showed more explosiveness in this game than I've seen from them, kind of in the last seven or eight weeks, where I would say they haven't looked certainly how they did last season. Um, I, I don't believe for one minute that O'Brien went into the game thinking they needed to score 50. I think he said that after the game to try to excuse his decision-making. And the reality is, if you think you need to score 50, well, as soon as Kansas City went into the break level, why didn't you just go for it on every fourth down? If you were that sure that you needed 50 points, then just say to the team, I'm telling you, not, we're, not putting, we're not putting for the rest of this game. So our game plan is going to be on third down. We might we might run a draw play because we're going to go for it on fourth down. So be prepared for that. That's how we're doing this game plan. And and you'd have if, if you thought you needed fifty points, so that was the only way you could win. Then a good coach would tell his coach and staff that before the game. Uh, aside like, from needing to to get talent on that defense, I actually think if you're going to keep Bill O'Brien, which they're likely to do. I actually think they need a, a Greg Roman or a Gary Kubiak, someone with head coaching experience, with football nows, to run that offense and to be um, like the foil to Bill O'Brien, to say to O'Brien, look, man, that's a bad decision or we should do this. So O'Brien doesn't keep making the same mistakes that he has been making for the last three, four, yeah. five years. Get someone, ex- think- in, get someone experienced in next to him. Does it have to be someone to run the offence? So they've tried that and it didn't work. O'Brien's a very good offensive mind. I don't understand why these head coaches who were insistent upon essentially running one side of the ball don't bring somebody in to manage the game. Mm-hmm. Like, at the end of the day, you can do one thing or the other. If Bill O'Brien can still be the head coach, he can, if he thinks he is the best game planner during the week, the best at setting the foundation for how you're going to play in the game, then he can build his offensive plan. He can oversee the defensive plan and build the complementary football plan. But then why don't you get an experienced guy in, you know, 
Marvin Lewis, if he's not doing anything next year, who have stood on the sideline, been a head coach, just say, your job's to manage the game. I'm going to do this on offence. I'm still the head coach. You know, I'll have input to a degree. We need somebody in to manage this football game because I have proven over a number of years, and I would accuse Andy Reid of this as well, as proven by the Chiefs to start in this game, that I am not good at this aspect of it. And, and, and just bring somebody in to do that. I don't know why more teams don't look at that, really, because the amount of times these games, and I wouldn't say this was an example of one, but how many times have we been on this pod? On this pod? pod on uh, this dissecting, pod? <laughs> uh, dissecting playoff losses and said, well, a lot of it was to do with game management. You know, Sean Payton even against the Vikings, mismanaging the clock at the end. So I don't see why guys like that don't get somebody in actually, not to run the offence, but to manage the game for them, someone they trust. Um, I just, w- that's the Texans done, I think, <laughs> maybe for a couple of years, who knows. Uh, but the um, we'll talk more Chiefs later in the week when we preview the yeah. weekend show. I just did want to highlight one player, just in case we don't get to him later in the week. Can you guess who I'm going to highlight, Sherry? Uh, from the Texans? No, from the... from the, oh, uh, from, the from the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey? Other side of the ball. Tyrion Matthew. Oh, Matthew was... Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I mean, just... why, did, why did Houston let him out the building? <laughs> exactly. That's why he's so worth highlighting. Because what's incredible is that this guy has had, what, two major injuries in his career, has reinvented himself seemingly three separate times, has had two seasons where he's been voted All-Pro and another one where he absolutely should have been voted All-Pro. Midway through this season, they converted him to a to essentially a... Uh, much more of a linebacker, much more of a to-the-line guy rather than the kind of more free role that he was used to and played him much nearer the line and had him playing in the run game but also covering. And he was just unbeatable in this game this weekend and has looked that way for at least the second half of this season, really deserving of that all-pro vote. And, uh, yeah, I just... When we talk about, and we will talk a lot, I think, about their um, their performance on defence across the second half of the season under Spags. But I just, I, I was astounded by his performance again and I just wanted to highlight it because I thought so it was worth saying. Some players are just incredibly adept in big games at doing something to get involved in it. And he, more than anyone in the last, I mean, I remember him at LSU before he got kicked off the team and he basically did it every week. Um, he will make, if they get to the Super Bowl, he will make at least one massive play. Right, let's take a break. We'll talk about the other two games and the head coaching hire in Cleveland. Are you listening to the Gridiron Show? Will Gavin Ollie Hunter in the studio with me? Hello. Thank Still you. Here. Still here. Still here. Yeah. Uh, Matt Sherry as well, who's been blowing his gasket about the losing teams so far from this past weekend. Let's take our way back to Saturday. We're working our way backwards. I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah. And I think we should get to uh, Sunday night. Derek Henry and the Titans stunning the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. Uh, it was a game that I uh, I was covering live on the radio. And there was a fantastic line on the commentary in this game where our radio commentator just said, if I didn't have to be speaking on radio because it's my job, I would be mouth agape right now because the Titans just went into that stadium, absolutely punched Baltimore in the mouth, got up early, didn't let up and were massively deserving winners in this game of football. Yeah, I mean, and can I just say as well, before we kick off, I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan, but the revisionism that has happened in the last three days to excuse what was a very, very average performance is ludicrous. Like, you know, if this guy hadn't have had this drop, if this guy hadn't have done this, well, if 
if Edelman didn't drop the pass against Brady, the Titans probably wouldn't be in this game. It happens to quarterbacks, and also the pass for the first interception was a bad throw. So, they did. They did have six drops in what the first quarter or just over the first quarter, something like that. Yeah, it, it, it was. Just, it, it was particularly happened, it? bad. It wasn't just yeah, like well, it was particularly bad. What I will say is, I'm not being revisionist about the performance. I don't think it was a good performance. But what I will say is that there was also another sect of people, and I, I kind of joke tweeted this at the time saying how long is it going to take talking head schmucks to start saying Lamar Jackson just can't do it in the big games it happened immediately and you were looking at it they showed a great stat actually on the uh, on the US coverage about when quarterbacks got their first win in the NFL and in in the playoffs sorry in the NFL and the number of guys who didn't get their first win in the playoffs of the likes of the Drew Breeses and Aaron Rodgers etc of this world until their fifth or sixth season in the NFL he's 23 years old there's a lot of learning to do he's grown hugely over this season i don't think we're looking at an RG3 situation I I think this guy's a good quarterback and will be going forward. But he did have a rough time on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, he did. And, and I agree with all of those sentiments. I mean, I still wouldn't completely rule out the RG3 situation if he suffered a major injury or something like that. Um, but I, I do think that he's shown enough from year one to year two. But the, the reality is the same people who are trying to defend him are trying to pretend that it's this great finished article. I'm, I've said on this pod, like, all season that I don't think that they will be able to win playing from behind and that they won't be able to win if they don't win on the running game in first and second down. And they couldn't, and they can't. And and maybe he'll be able to do that in three or four years, but right now he isn't accurate enough to do that. I mean, and that, but he, he does make up for that in 90% of games with a bunch of things that no other quarterback can do. I mean, he wasn't helped. I mean, Will, you must have enjoyed watching Greg Roman potentially lose the Ravens to Super Bowl. <laughs> on this occasion, as opposed to winning the one when he was the 49ers head coach. Because I just thought that, you know, we, we have the WhatsApp group going, and the first thing I said when they went 14 to nothing down is the key thing here is don't get away from your offence. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, the amount of times they were in second and 10 because they attempted a pass on first down, I mean, that's not who you are. And I thought that, that and I love John Harbour, but I thought he needed to kind of get hold of that and say, look, we're getting away from what we are here, and... And, and make the changes, but it just never happened, and, and a shame really, because I, I kind of wanted Mahomes, Lamar. I thought I think it would have been really great, but fair play to Tennessee, who who actually, in contrast to Bal- to Baltimore, this is one of the best jobs I've ever seen in a single game from a coaching staff overall. You say and, getting away from what you've been doing the whole season, the whole season before that. He hadn't thrown more than 43 passes a game. 59. 59. Yeah, I mean, this... 43 is still a lot in a game, but 59 is exactly. yeah. so madness. What, what's going on there? You it... go away from, from Gus Edwards, who looked really good from... I know Ingram took a little knock at, at some point in that first half, but it, they panicked. It was a massive panic from Greg Roman, and it's, it's weird that Harbaugh didn't rein that in. And they're a running team... On a weekend where the NFL, the average run-pass balance is sub-40% run this season. And yet the winning sides this weekend had a 59% 
run to uh, pass percentage and that was helped massively by the 49ers who went about 70% run because they threw the ball just once in the whole second half They're, they are a running team and they didn't do that when they ran the running backs they weren't even doing the really good option stuff which which worked so well for them they were just running guys up the gut for three yards and it wasn't doing anything to help move the chains or keep them on schedule they haven't come from behind this season by seven points at any time and I just and think they weren't battle-tested, and as Sherry says, they're not designed to come from behind. And, and that's fine. I mean, that's that's who you are as a team. I mean, so you construct everything around that reality. And I think that, you know, the one, the last thing I said to you, Will, on that TalkSport preview is, because I thought Baltimore would win handily, but the caveat was they could start did, the game really. slow. Slow, Yeah, we did, yeah. And the, the caveat was they could start the game slowly, because of not playing for three weeks, and and then you you see a real test of them, and that and that's kind of basically exactly how it played out. Um, so yeah, but I mean, ultimately, a team going in all the right places, and you kind of have to have these hiccups early in a career, and and it it happens. I don't I don't think it's a huge, you know, it's not a huge rib it up and start again. The game plan's great. Stick to the game plan, and and I'm sure they'll be fine next season. It's really astonishing that we've talked about this game for as long as we have without really saying the name Derek Henry. Because Have you got something to say to him? The man is on a historical tear. Uh, he's now got the most uh, rushing yards over the forced first four postseason games of his career of any running back in history. He's, what, only behind... I think he's fourth now on the touchdown list all-time in history, having played a ridiculously much lower number of games compared with the Emmett Smiths of the world. His uh, average rushing is miles above anyone else. He's got the best two-game rushing numbers in it of any running back in NFL history. And there was that great stat that they rolled out after the game about how uh, only three teams in history have passed for fewer than 100 yards in multiple postseason games. And it was the Miami and Pittsburgh in 1972, 73 and 1974. They all went on to win the Super Bowl, which is obviously a weird, you can't really apply that to now because it was a very different game then. But it's just amazing that... Tannehill had to throw yet again for sub-100 yards. I don't think he looked bad in this game. Again, much like I didn't think he looked bad against the Patriots. But they just knew what their game plan was, and they absolutely ran it into the ground. There was the one call that uh, Arthur Smith, as much as we should give him love, the decision to have Derrick Henry pass that touchdown on third and goal is the perfect example of where if Bill O'Brien makes that fake punt and it yeah, changes the game, we call him a genius. Point. We could have been talking about Arthur Smith being the biggest idiot in the world. And luckily, he comes out of it looking like a genius. I mean, that's the one thing I'd say on Bill O'Brien. If he could have called that exact play, it would have been incomplete. Like, it's just <laughs> some guys... Yeah. Just... made an yeah, unbelievable I... play on that Texans fake punt. It was working, and then they had one guy who just went, no, I'm not letting this happen. Yeah, you shall not pass. I mean, I mean Derek, Derek Henry reminds me of Bo Jackson. That's how terrifying he is when he gets up ahead of steam. Like, if you've watched them, that old footage, well, not old footage, but the footage of Bo Jackson when he played before he had the injury, and just this absolute beast who could also run away from everybody. It's insane. Kaylin Kayla said something outstanding. She was in the stadium watching the game from the press box, and she said when the players were turned away from her and didn't have the numbers to where you could see them, and if she couldn't see Derek Henry's dreadlock, you can't pick him out from the offensive lineman when they're in the huddle. Yeah, wow. absolutely. He's that big. I mean, it's... it's it's just awesome. And um, just one other point I want to make on this game. 
a massive punch in the mouth for the analytics crowd. And I I am all in on on analytics, but it needs to be contextualized in a way that the people who are big into it just don't do. Like the Ravens, I've never seen a team better at fourth and one than the Ravens have been in the regular season. Eight and eight. I I feel like every single playoff game, more often than not, when teams go for it on fourth and one, they get stuffed. Like, because you're playing against better teams who don't come into the overall 60% number or whatever the number is, and generally, it's a lot harder in the playoffs to do with it. They, they were 8 of 8 more. in the regular season, and the play design on the second attempt to go for it on fourth and one was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Yeah, dreadful. I mean, I just don't... I, I don't understand why you would ever run Lamar Jackson at a quarterback run and not spread the defence out. Like, what? it doesn't make any sense, does it? You know, I think if you put Lamar in the shotgun with with a spread offense, it's very, very difficult to stop him getting a first down because there will be, a, there will invariably be a gap there. But, but yeah, I mean, we could quibble with the play calling, but I think generally this whole idea that you have to go for it on every fourth down if you're on the 38-yard line instead of punting in the way that teams have always done, it's just going too far. It's not easy to drive 95 yards down the field. That's why people punt. Like, uh, uh, you do that because you might get the ball back on first and ten in the same position. I mean, that happens a lot. And equally, it's losing the, um, it's the not taking the field goal uh, unless you absolutely you know, have to. As much as we're saying that about Bill O'Brien because of the uniqueness of that situation, there was a, the first fourth and one for, for the Ravens was not a game they were out of and they were further out from where they were and it was a much longer fourth down. They could have taken the field goal there. They didn't. They got and stuffed. And they've got the best kicker in NFL history and as the, well. Yeah. The biggest problem with analytics is it's, it doesn't take into account feeling. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. It doesn't take into Not account. It doesn't take into account context, that you've got you've got you've got a gut feeling. Do you know what? This is the right thing to do yeah. here. The analytics say, "Oh, I'll be over. I'll be three two point um, touchdowns away from from the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's okay to go for it on on uh, go for the field goal, like Bill O'Brien did. Well, actually, the the gut feeling is put your 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 foot on the throat of of the Chiefs and do it. A bit like in the Rugby World Cup when Japan were taking on South Africa in Bryson. The the smart thing to do was take the draw. Take the three points, take the draw. But Japan decided to roll the dice against all the odds. But they knew that they had the South African beaten. They they saw in their eyes, and that's what Bill O'Brien didn't do. He didn't look into the eyes He's, of the Chiefs and, and, and also, try and beat them that way. It's got to be a combination of gut and like heart and the uh, and mind. You have to be yeah, able yeah, to yeah. use the gut and use the analytics and use a combination of the two. I don't think any team is going to be successful doing one or the other nowadays. I mean, a good head coach should be a problem solver. So you give them the analytics. You give them their natural feel for the game and you let them decide. I mean, the arrogance of these people on Twitter, and I, and I like following a lot of the guys who are like this, you know, Warren Sharp and people like that, that they know that it's absolutely the right way. I find absolutely mind-boggling. And you've got, I mean, Bill Belichick was literally asked about it. Nick Saban was literally talking to Bill Belichick about the two greatest coaches of this generation. And their view is that you can't just judge the numbers. You have to have a feel for the game. They're the two greatest coaches of this era. I'd rather listen to them than some guy who's got an engineering degree and tells me that it's 60%, so you have to do it. I mean, there has to be a balance. And I feel like we've gone too far the other way now and at some point we come back to the centre ground right 
We've got eight minutes before we've got to go into a Super Bowl meeting. So, so we need those to are some analytics right there for you, pal. Rattle through this now. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers will now host the NFC Championship game after a 27-10 victory in Saturday's divisional round. And let's be honest, uh, if they decided to try in the second half, it could have... Honestly, the second half felt like they literally went, we don't want to give away anything of our game plan. We don't have to. So here... I'll get players injured. Here, all get players injured, exactly. Yep. So here, like, when they got the interception and then ran the ball 12 straight runs for that touchdown it was a thing of beauty for those of us who were just 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 get it over and done with we don't need the drama we don't we've gone through five weeks at the end of the season where every game's gone down to the last play ram it down their throat kill this game off the fourth quarter honestly looked like a, a week four preseason game it was i mean the raheem uh, the um the matt breeder turnover but apart from that it was just a farce it was the vikings going three and out it was the 49ers running the ball it was the vikings going three and out for for 15 straight minutes it was like a training exercise it was absolutely bizarre but the Niners defense gets healthy on the bye week they end up wrecking the Minnesota Vikings who outside of the opening touchdown uh, and we saw the the 49ers make the adjustment on defense after that bringing Emmanuel Mosley in for a killer weatherspoon outside of that weren't able to really get anything going on offense only managing outside of that a field goal on short field after the poor interception from Jimmy Garoppolo uh, outside of that it was just domination at the line of scrimmage but I think again the 49ers especially with limited time are a team we can talk a lot more about later this week yeah the Minnesota Vikings without, sorry go on no, I was just going to say without a doubt like let's we may as well break down the teams oh, who are out trust me I can talk about this team for the next 80 minutes <laughs> but um the the Minnesota Vikings came into this game they the the they struggled much more in the pass rush once you had the extra blockers in for the 49ers and and you know they didn't manage to get their their two elite edge rushers going once you had kind of Kittle and Ustrek in there blocking as well then add to that the fact that the the secondary the corners like we said in the build up aren't particularly great they managed to get torched by the kind of third and fourth string wide receivers of the 49ers but it was the offensive game plan uh, earlier in this podcast i said Sean McVay came into that building and ran one of the best offensive schemes i've seen in a very long time knew exactly what to do to keep the ball away from the 49ers and play and play to their quarterback's weaknesses and his strengths the vikings did almost the exact opposite of that yeah, I mean, I, 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 this, uh, it brings us on to Stefanski, doesn't it, as well, I guess. But I find it incredible when there are not blueprints to beat teams, but certainly blueprints to move the ball or, or, or stop the opposite team. So, for example, you know, the, the Tennessee Titans defensive game plan was based upon the Buffalo Bills game plan that, that really limited the Ravens earlier in the regular season. I looked at this, this Vigan's offense and thought, well, if any team can run that... Heavy rollout, you know, never throw from the pocket game plan that um, that the Rams deployed. It would be the Vikings, and and that's what I expected them to do. And and for them not to do that in any way, shape, or form was was infuriating. It, was, and it would infuriate me more if I was a Browns fan because you know that's the that's your new head coach essentially. It was particularly after they were so unable to get. Dalvin Cook to establish the run as well who having been brilliant the week before we said he was a real key to this game going in and what he gained 18 carries on 9 yards in the end. Yeah. 
and and I mean, eighteen you know, yards on nine people, carries. But that's anyway. Yeah, you know the other one. Bill, yeah. Bill Belichick is rightly lauded for holding the Rams to three points in the Super Bowl. I mean, he copied off Matt Patricia's game plan from the regular season. I mean, that's what a good coach does. It looks at all the film over the year. And, and assesses the things that they can use. I mean, I, I have a little bit of sympathy for the Vikings. Like, you know, getting pounded in the second half, I think, was was largely a byproduct of the six days, travelling to the West Coast. The schedule didn't help them, and we, we suggested that might be the case. But also I could say there are three or four examples of obvious self-harm that took place in the game as well. And, and the Vikings are another frustrating team because every time I look at their roster, I think, wow, there's not a lot of holes there. And then it feels like similar to the Texans. Every season, I look and they've been beaten in the divisional round. It's, or, I'll or tell you what, Sherry, it's funny you say that. It's similar to the Texans. I find Mike Zimmer's similar to the Texans. Similar to Bill O'Brien. I just I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I think he's a, he's a, a snidey, horrid little man. That, <laughs> uh, he's arrogant. And I don't think, I think he makes big mistakes in games. All right, I can't quite draw on those. It's just, I'm not using analytics, I'm using my gut feeling there. Um, it, I, I'm delighted that they got knocked out. Ollie's been chasing the storyline the last week and I've been loving it the whole well, time. Well, I mean, I, I've, de- I've delighted as well because, I mean, nobody wants Grey Bear to have that easy route into the Super Bowl. Ollie, so. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be even more sweeter when we go to San Francisco and get beaten by another 29 points. Uh, I don't think it will be that big a defeat again, uh, but I, I feel better about this game than I did going into the Vikings game, which is pretty ridiculous to say, I guess, after we saw what we saw this past weekend. Um, but we do have the, the conference championship decided, look, we can get into the Browns at a later time and we'll get, as we get into the off-season there'll be plenty of opportunity to discuss this plus building up to the draft we talked about it the other day lots of college plans coming together Uh, so let's have that round off I'll look back at past weekend and we'll be back later in the week with a preview of the championship games on Sunday night the AFC championship first 805 the NFC championship Uh, it's 11.40 isn't it yeah 11.40 and you know what I'm hyped for whoever we get in the Super Bowl I honestly think I honestly think at least the storylines and everything for us out there covering it, there'll be fat, something fascinating if any of these four teams get there, whether it's Rogers' return after nine years, whether it's Patrick Mahomes' first time there, whether it's the Titans' fairy tale off the back of Derrick Henry, or whether it is the 49ers going from the number two overall pick to the Super Bowl in the span of a season. Almost almost worst to first i'm almost annoyed they weren't the first overall pick just because it would have made that great worst to first story actually exist the specter of um of the hundred season means that green bear will be an awesome story oh, yeah. but yeah. um that is not going to happen because they're going to get murdered on something <laughs> ollie any rebuttal i feel like sherry's doing my smack talk for me so i don't need to so the, the hundredth season it's the 54th super bowl wouldn't it be fitting in the 54th Super Bowl it was a rematch and the same result of the very first Super Bowl? The Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay. It would be amazing if it was Chiefs Packers, wouldn't Mate, it? These things, I've only just thought about these that. These things are written like that. Oh, right. Chiefs, Chiefs 49 is, in terms of purely in terms of what game I want, yeah. would be awesome. Thank you for listening. As always, uh, we've got some. Uh, we've been talking Super Bowl plans a lot over the last couple of days, and there's some really cool stuff in the book. So, uh, really excited for what we're going to be able to bring you from Miami. Uh, keep getting in touch with us on Twitter, on Instagram, on all the social medias. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Any final thoughts from you, Ollie Hunter? No. Any final thoughts from you, Matthew Sherry? Really, none whatsoever, except for Brian Schottenheimer. Leave. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show. Hey, mate, it's me, your hunch. Cheltenham is here, and with Betway's four to win, we can get in on the action completely free. All we have to do is pick the winner of four races to win 50 grand every day. Mmm, 50 grand. We could buy our own horse. Next year, we'll be cheering for Monsieur Victory, or Sir Hunchalot, or Dr. Winderace, or his hunchness, Hunchy. Heed your hunch with Betway's four to win for a free chance to win up to 50 grand every day at Cheltenham. Selections must be submitted before the start of the first eligible race. One entry per customer per day. Full terms apply. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org.